Very well, well done. Very well done. Um, we are still having the Christmas gathering tonight. It starts at 5 p.m. We are going to start in here. So come in here. Um, the original plan is to eat and then have the Christmas worship and, and do it that way. But we'll just see what the weather does. And so we're not going to make that decision until 5 o'clock tonight. And either way, we're going to pray for the food. Right? And either way, you know, whatever. So we might start with the music and then eat. So just be here at 5 o'clock so you can experience the whole thing. The goal is for fellowship with, with our church and to celebrate our Savior's birth. Um, hmm. I am, I am missing my... It doesn't matter. I guess. <coughs> I guess it, it, it matters. I'm missing my water. So um, I had it here for some reason. It doesn't matter. Awkward boy. Okay, th so there you go. Well, I think Robin just went. So good. All right. You know, has anybody had this little congestion stuff? Like, and it just like hangs on. And so when I'm speaking, it just kind of makes my throat dry from time to time. So I just need some, need some water. All right. We're doing a series called Eight Maids of Milking. And what I haven't told you is why it's called Eight Maids of Milking. Although some of you have probably figured it out. Some of you have already asked, but I just wanted to kind of tell you why it's called Eight Maids of Milking. Um, everybody's familiar with the 12 Days of Christmas? The song, right? Everybody? Yeah. Well, this is based off that song. And so if you go through the song, does everybody know the song like by memory? Do you know the song by memory? Because school kids used to do this as a contest to see if they would mess up as they did it. Did you know that? Like that, that's what they used to do. So it's um, 12 drummers drumming, 11 pipers piping, 10 lords of leaping, nine ladies dancing, eight maids milking, seven sw swans of swimming. Thank you. Six geese of laying, five golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge. And I used to say in a jenna pear tree, which isn't really a tree, but for some reason, I thought it was jitter pear. <laughs> you, know, you know how it is. All right, so um, the church, there's a tradition that says that the church used to use this song to help people remember certain aspects of Scripture and certain theological things, kind of to remind them. And then, so they would say in a classroom, um, 12 drummers drumming, and the classroom would recite the Apostles' Creed. Is, is the way that this kind of works. So 12, 12 drummers drumming. I don't know why they added one more layer of confusion to already the Apostle Creed anyway, but they did. And so and they say that this is what it is. Some people don't believe that. They think it, it didn't really happen, but some people do. And, but I'm obviously one of those people that think at some level this happened. And so 12, 12 drummers drumming is the Apostle Creed. 11 pipers piping is the Apostles. You might ask why it's 11. Well, one of them, you know, I know they replaced him in Acts, but there's still 11 of them. 10 commandments is, um, let's see, what is it? Drummers drumming, 11 pipers piping, 10 lords of leaping is the commandments. Fruits of the Spirit, swans of swimming, right? Yeah, I didn't hear any of that. So uh, 12 drummers drumming, 11, 11 pipers piping, 10 lord of the leaping, nine ladies dancing. Yeah, love, I guess, the fruit of the spirit. Yeah, okay. Uh, Beatitudes is, of course, eight maids of milking, which fits. 
Uh, seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, six days of labor. Uh, Pentateuch is the five, uh, first five books of the Old Testament. Uh, four Gospels, the Trinity is three, and Old, the New Testaments, and Jesus. And that song was actually written from a, a poem. I don't know if you know this. And it was in the 1700s that this poem was written. And maybe you can, you can see some of it. I'm going to just read just a little bit of it to kind of see how it connects. Um, it starts like this. What are they that are but one? We have one God alone in heaven above sits on his throne. Now, I know that doesn't connect to Jesus, but this is the poem, right? What are they which are but two, two testaments, the old and the new? Do you see how they grabbed it from there? Yep. Uh, what are they which are but three, three persons in the Trinity, which makes one God in unity? What are they but four, four sweet evangelists, and there are Christ's birth, life, death, which we do declare, which doesn't seem to rhyme to me, but nonetheless. So the 12 days of Christmas was actually written from this poem, and the poem is called A New Dial, is what it's called. And so when I started, when we started the, um, the Sermon on the Mount, which actually we started in January, and we're wrapping it up at the beginning. So we're wrapping it up now with the, with the Beatitudes. Um, I just decided that this would be called Eight Maids of Milking. And so that's why it's called Eight Maids of Milking. So now you know it. There you go. Take it for what it's worth. There, there you have it. Um, today, the beatitude that we're talking about is this one. Blessed are those that are merciful, for they shall receive mercy. That's the one that we're talking about today. And we know that these beatitudes are announcements. They're gospel announcements. And they're set up like this. They're set up blessed. There's a condition that you find yourself in, like an unfortunate condition. And then Jesus says, you're going to be blessed in this particular way. We know that that's the formula for the whole thing. And so it's an announcement. It is not um, telling you to be merciful so that you will receive mercy. That's not what this particular passage of scripture says. However, today... I want to set that aside for just a few minutes, and I want to talk about what mercy is so that we understand what mercy is. Because in Scripture, it does command us to be merciful toward other people. It does make that, it does make that command for us. So you and I kind of need to understand what mercy is. Now, in church, we kind of sometimes get grace mixed up with mercy. And sometimes we use grace when we want to use mercy and mercy when we want to use grace and the definition just isn't all that clear. And so kind of a simplistic definition of both of those is this. Grace is, given, is you getting what you do not... No, no, no. I just messed up. Grace is you getting what you did not earn. You did not earn it, but it was given to you. Mercy is you not getting what you deserve. And both of those are together. God is very gracious because he gives us things that we did not earn. Salvation, for one. The ability to be here this morning. Um, us being able to breathe, whatever it is. We were given those things we did not earn them. Mercy is us not getting what we deserve. For instance, you and I deserve punishment for our sins. And God, which is rich in grace and rich in mercy, 
sent his son to die on the cross to take care of that particular issue. And if we accept him as our personal savior, we can escape the punishment that we rightly deserve because of his mercy. Does that make sense? So you have grace and you have mercy. But I have to tell you that as right as that is, it's still kind of a simplistic idea. It's too simplistic because grace and mercy are more complex in scripture than just that. So we're going to set grace aside for a moment and just talk about mercy. And what exactly is mercy beyond that? What is mercy? Well, the Bible uses a lot of words to describe mercy. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of Greek and Hebrew words that have mercy involved in everything. And, and here's, here's a couple of those words. This is in English. But compassion, loving kindness, favor, and steadfast love. So in scripture, when you see mercy, a lot of times it's talking about the mercy, compassion of God. And there's a compassion component to it. When scripture talks about mercy in other places, there's a loving kindness part to the mercy and favor, and steadfast love. And so this, all these words go into this word mercy. So it's not just you not getting what you don't deserve. It is also that God from time to time has pity on you because he understands where you are and he wants to help you and he shows you mercy. He shows you mercy. And so so that that is... That is, that is mercy. Um, here's, here's a uh, verse of scripture from uh, Lamentations. It says, because of the Lord's great love, that, actually, that word actually there is mercy in the Hebrew, because of the Lord's great mercy, we are not consumed. Isn't that great? Isn't it great that God doesn't consume you because of your sin? If he was not merciful, we would be gone. Probably as soon as we're born. We would probably not even make it because our parents wouldn't even make it. Because they would be gone before we were able to be born. So God is great in mercy and that is why we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. He always loves us. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. How many of you know people that get under your skin? How many of you are going to be spending the holidays with those people? Okay, we have a witness in the back. Yeah, I want to spend the holidays with those people. Yeah, there are some people that can just get under your skin. You're probably married to one of those people. I don't know what went on before the service, but those two other there, Derek was going away from Tanya. I don't know what happened before they came here, but they got up underneath each other's skin before they got here. And to be honest, if, be honest, if, if you are married, you have gotten up underneath the other person's skin before, right? Nicole knows how to get up underneath my skin. I know how to get up underneath her skin. The difference between Nicole and I is this, okay? Nicole gets up underneath my skin when she's upset at me, okay? I am more eclectic and global in my getting up underneath her skin. I will get up underneath her skin when I'm upset at her and when I just want to pick on her. 
because that's who I am. I am not a nice person sometimes. I'm just not a nice person. I'm having a lot of fun in myself, but the other person isn't having that much fun. In fact, this happened, and I, I really, you need to pray for her because she married me, okay? She married me. So just yesterday, I was just in a mood. Do you ever get in one of those moods where you just are kind of picking, kind of, kind of deal? And I was picking, and I was getting it up underneath her skin. I knew I was doing it. I was having a great time with it. She was obviously not having a good time because she looked at me and said, I know that you think this is funny, but I do not. And it ended it. Like at that moment, it ended it. But we know how to like irritationally get up underneath people's skin. We, we know how to do that. We know how to press buttons and, and do all that kind of stuff. There is a person that exists that also has gotten up underneath every single person's skin in this room. But not in an irritational sort of way. In a positive way. And that man is Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus took on flesh and bone. He, he took on the human form. He became flesh and dwelt among us. He became flesh and dwelt among us. He got up underneath our skin because there was something that he needed to know, which the scripture says this, and it's kind of hard to say he's omniscient and he had to know something, but we can talk about that later in the Bible study and how all that works out. It just blows my mind, actually. But he needed to know something. So he got up underneath our skin so that he could relate to you and to me. And you might be saying, does the Bible really teach that? And the answer to that question is yes. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 17 through 18 says this, Therefore he had to be made, that's Jesus, like his brothers. Now, brothers is more like humankind. The word is humankind, so it's all of us. It's guys and girls together. So he had to be made like his brothers and sisters in every respect so that he might become what? Merciful. Jesus had to be made flesh and bone so that he might become merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make a propitiation for the sins of the people. Jesus Christ was born as a baby, took on flesh and bone in order to relate to you and to me, in order to be merciful toward you and me. Isn't that great? It, it's absolutely incredible. Now, did God know what you went through on a daily basis? I believe that he did. I believe that Jesus, before he took on flesh and bone, knew what you went through on a daily basis. He did not necessarily have to do that. But he, according to the scripture, says he had to be made like his brothers so that he might become merciful. So Jesus took on flesh and bone, and there was something about that that made him more merciful than he already was, according to the scripture. He began to understand, and it's so hard for me to say that Jesus began to understand, but this is what the scripture says. He understands what it means to be you, what it means to be human. He was the God-man, 100% man, 100% God, but he took on flesh and bone to understand and get up underneath your skin so he could be merciful towards you. Here's the next scripture from Hebrews. It says this. 
Since, and this is in chapter 4, by the way. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. Why? Because he took on our flesh and bone and, and accepted our limitations because he loved us that much. He loved us that much. And it goes on. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He understands the weakness. He understands the pressure of temptation. He understands what it means to live in this world. He understands what it means to struggle through this world. He understands what it means to be hungry. He understands what it means to grow, like be a baby, what it means to start to walk. Jesus had to learn to walk. He knows what it means to, to have to change, I guess it was robes. I don't guess she did it that much, right? Because when we grow, we have to change clothing. We get bigger, but a robe is kind of, you know what I'm saying? Size enough. But he understands what it means to go through this life and grow up in this life. He got under our skin. Ladies and gentlemen, you cannot be merciful towards someone else unless you get under their skin. We would put it this way in today's terms. It would be walk in their shoes. We cannot be merciful towards someone else unless we walk in their shoes, unless we see life from their perspective. And Jesus learned mercy by getting under our skin and we learn mercy by understanding what someone else is feeling in the moment or whatever they're going through. That's how we become merciful. This is a very important point. Because we live in a self-centered society. We live in a society that says, I'm offended because of something that has happened in my past that you have done that I don't even know. Right? We also say the other things. I'm offended because you have done something and I know you, but it's because of something that's happened in my past that is causing me to see what you've done in that particular way through that lens and you weren't even a part of my past and probably didn't even meant mean to do this stuff back here. Is everybody following me? This is kind of complicated, but very simple and true. Sometimes people, people interpret what other people are doing based on their own experience rather than the experience of the person that is actually involved in that particular act. Sometimes people think someone's being mean when they're really being nice but they interpret it as being mean because of some type of past experience because people today do not take the time to pause a moment and see the situation from someone else's perspective. And your God who saved your soul paused a moment to see life from your perspective and he took on flesh and bone and dwelt among us. It's an amazing concept. One of the reasons that we're kind of self-focused is because, and I use this stuff and, and like it. I mean, so I'm, I'm pro this stuff. This isn't a message against this. But Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook, and you put your best foot forward in all those platforms, don't you? 
And, and what we need to understand, and as soon as I say this, you know it's true, that's only 1% of anybody's life, if that. They're putting their best foot forward, unless you're laughing at something, unless it's a funny video, and then that's still 1%. Not everybody's that stupid. Right? 100% of the time. They're not doing this stupid stuff 100% of the time. But we know this because you've seen people take their picture because it's just about them and what they're doing. So, ladies, do it this way. Right? And guys, do it this way. The chest comes out or, or depends on if they have a weapon, right? Whatever it might be, to look cool, to look the best. And, and shots are taken. I have watched people in, in the mall. I've, I've been shopping and doing some stuff. I've watched people. I stop and watch people take multiple photographs in different poses to try to get the exact pose that they need to post on whatever it, thing that they're posting on. And we look at that and we start to get the concept that that perfectness is really their life and then we desire their life. And it makes us very self-centered. So two things about that. Number one, that is not really their life. Here's a cue. Their life is just as messy as yours is. There is stuff that happens in their life that is unexpected, that messes them up, and they are not nice all the time. It's not always a perfect picture-taken um, moment. In fact, when they are down or doing something stupid, there's somebody else filming them, them so they can post whatever that is that is stupid. Right? No marriage is a Hallmark marriage. None. I know some of you like the Hallmark movies. I'm glad that you do. It's the same thing all the time, but I'm glad that you get joy out of that. From the deepest portion of my heart, I've gotten into your skin, and if that gives you joy in this life, good. Doesn't bring me joy. Sleep, but anyway, okay. So, so, so you, we, we don't take the time to get into someone else's skin to know how they feel and what they are thinking because oftentimes we're, blocked by our selfishness and our self-centeredness. And to be merciful to somebody, you have to see things through their eyes. This means, and this isn't a marriage sermon, this means that sometimes, all the time actually, I need to view life through Nicole's skin. She needs to view life through my skin. And men and women think differently. And the mistake marriages often make is one of the spouses tries to get the other spouse to think exactly the way that they think. That is self-centeredness. What you do is you figure out how they think and how they tick, and then you begin to understand why they're doing what they are doing, and then you can accept it and be merciful toward them. Does this make sense? We get underneath people's skin. So with that in mind, I want you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And we're going to begin reading with verse 25. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. <clears throat> 
And this is what it says. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? Instantly, Jesus asked him a question to get in under his skin, to see how he is thinking. And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man, was getting down from, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among the robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. When he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii, that's two days' wages, wages, is it two days' wage, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. Keyword mercy. He showed him mercy. How did he show him mercy? He showed him mercy by stopping and thinking, how is that guy feeling right now that just got beaten? How is, how is that guy feeling? Here's this guy. He's, he's over here. How is he feeling? That's how he showed him mercy. Because instantly he connected and had compassion. And he said, what would I want done for me if I was in that same condition? What would I want done for me? And he stopped. And he did what he would want someone to do for him if he was in that same condition. You see, the Levite and the priest, by the way, let me just pause a moment. Levite and a priest sounds like a bad joke, doesn't it? <clears throat> a Levite, a priest, and a, and a Samaritan just sounds like a bad joke. I'm gonna tell you the one that came to my mind as soon as, as, soon as I read this, and this has nothing to do with sermon. We'll get right back to it. But um, there, were, <laughs> there were three accountants and three engineers that were getting on a train, okay? The three accountants bought three tickets. The three engineers bought one ticket. So the accountants was watching the engineers and were like, how are they going to get through this whole, this whole train trip with just one ticket? So the, they watched the engineers and they got on board and they all got inside a bathroom and locked the door. So they're all inside this bathroom. And the accountants watched what happened. The train took off and about... 15 minutes into it, the conductor came down, knocked on the bathroom door and said, ticket, please. And the door opened just enough for an arm to reach out and the ticket was punched and then the arm came back in. Okay, so that's how they made it with just one ticket. So the accountants were like, man alive, we can do that too. 
This would save us money. Actually, two-thirds of the cost of this trip would be saved if we would do their method of payment, right? And so they went to the, they went to the place wherever they, they were dropped off. And the next day when they were getting back on the train, the same three engineers were there and so were the same three accountants. And the same three accountants watched the engineers and they noticed that the engineers didn't buy a ticket at all. They just got on the train. And the accountants went up and they bought one ticket. And so the accountants came in the ticket, it came onto the train and they got into a bathroom and they, and they closed themselves in the bathroom and they were just so excited that they were gonna get on this train and with just one ticket price. Well, the engineers were in the bathroom that was just across the way, all right? And when the train started going, about 10 minutes in, one of the engineers got out of the bathroom, went over to the place where the accountants was, knocked on the door and said, tickets, please. (laughs) I love that joke. Okay. So the Pharisee, get back to the Pharisee. The Pharisee and the Levite couldn't upset their persona on their Instagram. They couldn't upset what they, their perfect life on their Facebook page. It was all about them. The very people that taught compassion, that taught mercy, that taught grace could not be gracious to this person who was beaten on the side of the road. Instead of getting in his skin, they stayed in theirs and they passed by. And this guy, the Samaritan, looked at a Jew. And if there's ever been racism in history, it's between Jews and Samaritans. Jews hated Samaritans. Samaritans did not like Jews. But for this one moment, this particular Samaritan looked at this guy and he was like, you know what? I travel this same road all the time. And if robbers ever attack me and beat me up and rob me and leave me on the side of the road, what would I want someone else to do that passes by to see me, seeing me there all broken and bruised? And the Samaritan stopped put the guy on his animal, took him to an inn, and made sure that he was taken care of. That guy showed mercy. Ladies and gentlemen, mercy is when you set aside your difference, differences from the ones you do not like and you help them anyway. That's mercy. Mercy is when you say, man, if I was experiencing that... I would really want help. Mercy is when you see a wreck on the side of the road and it's that person that you don't like at work. And nobody's around. In fact, you saw the accident happen and your first thought was good. And they're on the side of the road and you go down a little bit and you think, no, if that was me, I would want somebody to help. And you turn your car around and you go to that person that irritates you at work. You call who you need to call to get people there to help them. And you stay by their side until the, pe- the paramedics or whoever comes to help them with their particular situation. That's what you do. That is mercy. It is mercy when you are doing something for, for someone that has done something wrong against you. That is showing mercy. You say, well, Philip, you don't know what they've done to me. And you're exactly right. I don't know what you've done to them, but I know what you have done against Jesus. 
right? I can't give you the specific sins. Oh, did you like that? Um, I don't know the specific sins that you've done against Jesus. I don't know that. But I'm knowing you have done enough against Jesus for him not to show you mercy. Right? And so it doesn't matter what they've done to you. A person that is a Christian shows compassion, loving kindness, and mercy to all people. And will help them any way that they can. So mercy is that. Mercy is when you show love and compassion and pity and you help people. That is what mercy is. Mercy is when someone understands that they need to take on someone else's skin. Mercy is when we say, if that was me. Mercy is when someone says, I'm going to look past your sin. I'm going to look past all of that. And I'm going to give you another chance. Mercy is when I'm kind of upset at that person, but let me pause a moment to see, number one, if I'm being selfish, if I'm interpreting according to my past, let me pause for a moment to set that aside and try to figure out how they are thinking. Because there may be a valid reason why they are acting the way that they are acting that I have not considered. I've not considered Maybe they are not being mean. Maybe they are being nice. I ran across one time a person that told another person they were not going to help them any longer. Not going to help them. Heard that conversation. Not going to help you. And the key word there was any longer. So what had happened was this person, and this is now me making up a story, okay, just based on that word. They had helped them, obviously, for particular period of time and it just got to where the person wasn't getting any better and so it was time to just not help them any further because sometimes mercy isn't helping someone anymore you've helped them enough because once you help somebody so much you enable them to stay in their same condition and they need to get out of that condition so sometimes mercy is just leaving them alone and not helping them any further But mercy is also you helping someone and helping someone and helping someone and helping someone with the prayer that they will get better and that they will will succeed in life. But every now and then, mercy is saying, I just am not going to be able to help them anymore. And the most merciful thing I can do is not to then enable them to continue in their current condition. Sometimes that's, that's what mercy is. So, You and I need to show mercy. Mercy sometimes is not saying something you want to say. Sometimes mercy is not pulling that person aside. But then on the other side of that, sometimes mercy is saying what needs to be said and pulling that person aside. So how do you know the difference between the two? How do you use wisdom when it comes to this thing called mercy to know what to say or what not to say in a particular situation? Here's here's my litmus test. Sometimes I fail this one, but here it is nonetheless. Is that fair enough? Is that fair enough? Sometimes I fail it. Here it is. 
If I am emotionally charged and upset at the person, it is not the moment that this should go into action. If my heart is broken and I'm really feeling for them, that is the moment my mouth should open. It's in this moment that is uh, saturated with love and concern. It is this moment over here that is saturated with anger and frustration. Let me tell you something. You are lying to yourself if anger and frustration does not take over your body and make you act like a demon every now and then. This is not healthy. You can't show mercy while you're so upset and so emotionally hyped up and so tense about the particular situation. But you definitely can show mercy when your heart is broken for that particular individual. When I'm upset in this particular regard, it's all about me. It's all about what they've done to me. It's all about I'm angry. I cannot believe they did that. When my heart is broken, it's, man, I just wish things were better between me and them. I wish that they had not had done that. I mean, what do I need to do to make this right? And your heart goes out with love. That is mercy. That is, that is mercy. It's compassion. It's loving kindness. It, it's it's um, very healthy for relationships. Does that make sense? And that is what you do. So when it comes to this announcement, what in the world does that mean? Like here it is on the screen. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. This does sound like what you sow, you reap, doesn't it? And in scripture, this, that's the thing. What you sow, you reap. If you, if you sow mercy, you'll reap mercy. If you, if you sow sin, you'll reap sin. If you sow love, you'll reap love. If you sow hate, you'll reap hate. I mean, it's, it's, all, it's all up in there. But this is a gospel announcement. This isn't be merciful and you'll receive mercy. This is a condition that you find yourself in and you're like, Man, this is horrible. So what is that condition? And here it is. This is when you're merciful to someone and they are not merciful back. Have you ever had that happen? You were merciful and this person was not merciful back. And you ask yourself this question, why can't they show me mercy like I showed them mercy? Have you ever been there? I showed them a bunch of mercy, but they are not showing me any mercy. And Jesus says today to you, blessed are the merciful because you will receive mercy. It might not be from them, but you will receive it nonetheless. So here's a couple of statements about that. You know that person that you helped and they turned their back on you? You know that person? Like you helped them, you really helped them a lot and they turned their back on you? Like in the moment that you needed help, that you needed mercy, that you needed something from them, they were nowhere to be found. They just turned their back on you and they became your enemy. Jesus says to you this morning, blessed are the merciful for you shall receive mercy. You won't receive it from them, but you will receive it from someone else. This is just an example. You won't know this person I'm talking about, but it is in our area. Um, there was one time that I was up here at the Shell Guest Day gas station. You know where it is? I-40? Of course you do. Yep. And uh, I was purchasing back when I could eat Reese cups. 
can't eat them anymore because of my stomach. But can't eat Reese's Cups, and that's just, I just need cow's lead over that. But I was buying Reese's Cup and, and a drink, and I didn't have a quarter. I needed a quarter to finish the transaction. I'm not a guy that swipes a card. I like cash. That's what I like to do, cash. Every now and then, it doesn't matter. So, so I had cash, and I was with a person that I had given money to many times, like in the same scenario, right? Not building myself up. I'm just setting this up for you. So I turned to this person, and I said, do you have a quarter? And the person said, no, I don't have a quarter. I said, okay. Well, the guy that owns the gas station is a pretty nice guy. I don't know if you know him or not. He looked at me and said, I got your quarter. Well, a couple of days later, I brought him a quarter to pay him back. I just want to let you know that. I mean, I'm not going to let him do that. But nonetheless, I thought that was nice of him. So blessed are the merciful because they will receive mercy from somewhere else. This individual had money. I must brought up their, their bag of chips and their drink, and they took a $20 bill out of their wallet to pay for their, their stuff, and they got change back because the place isn't that expensive, right? And so I'm standing there in the moment, and what do you think I'm thinking? You, you, couldn't, you couldn't give me a, you couldn't say, hey, let me pay for mine, and then I'll give you a quarter, He didn't even offer, now you know it's a he, he didn't even offer to give a quarter, like out of his chain, never did offer that. And I thought, I will never help that guy again. But this fits, doesn't it? Because I got a quarter from the guy that owns the place. He said, don't worry about the quarter. I, I got this. I got you. So anytime that we feel like that someone isn't doing their share, isn't pulling their weight, isn't being merciful back, isn't being loving back, Jesus says this, don't worry about them, I've got you. You will receive mercy. And ladies and gentlemen, that is a comfort. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in the friend that didn't help us that we miss the mercy that God has sent us from another avenue. Right? Sometimes we miss that. So here's a couple other ones. Of course, just got. You know that renter, well, maybe you don't have renters, but you know that renter that you allowed them to be late and late and late and late and late and late because they gave you the sob story? Right? But then it comes to a point where you're going to be late on your bills if you don't get money from them or get something like that. And it comes to a point where you, you just got to do something and you ask that person to leave. And then that person is very angry at you. This is actually a real one from our church a couple of years ago, um, actually probably six or seven years ago. There was a man that, that owned houses, just a, a sweet, sweet guy. Sweet guy, very loving, very gracious. But these renters were just taking advantage of him. And he was very upset because he had had to ask them to leave. And they got really upset at him as if he had never done anything nice for them at all. And so he came, he told me the story. He told me the story. 
And as I was working on this, I started to think about him in that particular situation. Blessed are those that are merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Because later he received mercy. He actually got great tenants that not only paid him, but mowed the yard. So there was a mercy thing involved in all of that. Um, You know that person that you loan money to and they never paid you back, but they won't loan you any? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the person that you um, helped out during their time of need when they were in a relational crisis and you were there for them, but they decided not to be there for you. And you're hurt by it. Blessed are the merciful, for you will receive mercy. And it's always from someplace else. And that is the gospel announcement that Jesus is saying. When you feel like that you have been treated incorrectly, when you've treated other people correctly, you are blessed because you will receive mercy. So as we wrap this thing up, I do want to ask you a question, or two, or eight. First, who in your life are you not being merciful to that you need to be? Who in your life is irritating you to death? And they're irritating you because of your perspective that you haven't taken the time to walk in their shoes. You haven't taken the time to kind of think through things maybe the way that they would think through things or try to see things the way that they see it. Who in your life are you just angry at and you're not showing mercy to that you really need to step back a moment and say, I need to just take a moment just to see things from their perspective. What is, what is their home life like? What is their marriage like? What is their work like? Are they struggling with something else? Did, did something happen over here? Maybe they had a death in the family and it's causing them to act in a, in a bad way because grief is a weird thing. It can make you angry at times and happy at times and it's just real weird. Is there something from their perspective that's causing them to act this particular way? And if you can figure that out, it's easier for you to show mercy. Because you're taking on their skin. Sometimes for for parents, it needs to be this. My son is only six years old, and he's going to jump off the table. I'm going to correct him for it. I'm going to tell him that he should not jump off the table. But I'm also going to get in his skin and be like, yeah, that makes sense for a six-year-old boy who who is very lively. Is everybody following me? Yeah, it it just makes sense. He needs punishing, but when I punish him, I need to do it out of mercy and not out of frustration and anger. Listen, I I don't know what it means to be a girl, so this next illustration is probably horrible, right? It's probably absolutely horrible. My seven year old daughter played with my makeup and got lipstick all over her new Christmas dress. Maybe in that moment, instead of being frustrated and upset because you've lost money, maybe to take a moment to get into her skin and say, this is what a seven-year-old girl would do. She needs to be punished, in a sense, or taught, maybe, would be better for that, because all she's really doing is mimicking mommy. And you get in that person's skin, and it changes your 
perspective. So here it is, and I'm going to close. You cannot love people if you're the center of the universe. You can't. You can only love people when they are the number one thing in your life. Everybody around you. So maybe for you, it's a moment to stop being the center of the universe and start thinking about others more than yourself. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the stage you've given us. And I just want to first of all pray for the people in this room that are struggling showing mercy to someone in their life. They have gotten so angry and so frustrated that they just can't see life from that other person's perspective. They know this because every argument, everything that they're thinking, it's all based on how they see life and not how that individual sees life. Now, ask that in this moment that you will give them the strength that they need to set aside their frustrations and beginning to think about how that person sees life, that they'll reach out to you for some help with that. so they can move their heart from a moment of frustration and anger to a moment of mercy and love and compassion. There may be people in this room <clears throat> are listening online that, man, they've showed compassion to some people and like they did not show compassion back. And I ask that in this moment that you'll first of all help them release that person that they're so kind of upset at that they didn't show mercy back to them that you'll just let them go I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit you'll open their eyes to see where you showed them mercy anyway through another avenue I do ask for the individual that's here today that may not know you as their personal savior they know that they've sinned they know that they've sinned against you I pray that in this moment that you'll give them the strength and that you'll call them by the Holy Spirit to reach out to you, to ask forgiveness for their sins and accept your mercy, your gift of mercy, to accept you as their Savior, and that you in this moment will change their life. So we leave all of this at the feet of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. I'm here to pray for you if you need that. The altar is